0: I've talked to people who had problems. These are the wise words of one of the speakers at the 2018 edition of the Thrival Festival. Why are we talking about this today? Well, innovation has traditionally in the medical field meant scientific innovation. And that's certainly a big part of that. But more and more we see that there's really a space for business innovation to support these scientific breakthroughs and discoveries. Let's look at, for example, UPMC. So UPMC has what they call UPMC Enterprises. That's essentially a pipeline. They get about 40 new ideas a week that they sort through. About two or three gets picked per month. And so that composes a um, portfolio of about 80 opportunities that they're actively pursuing at the end of the day. And the interesting thing is that the hospital didn't always do that. It actually started about 20 years ago looking at innovation as a in-house function and as something that they would actively seek and support and have an entire division dedicated to. If you look at the John Hopkins Medical Centers, you also see a similar trend. They've taken a slightly different approach to it, though. They have what they call the Sibley Innovation Hub, and that's where they quote-unquote empower change from within, so they work with people who are on the ground and have teams um, that facilitate different workshops and different um, activities that help take an idea and turn it into a commercially viable product. What's really interesting about John Hopkins is that they actually mandate innovation. So when you're looking at managers, VPs, C-suite executives, they all are required to partake in four innovative projects that they actually spin on their own each year. And the Sibley Innovation Hub is a 5,000 feet square open space where they can literally drop by, work with experts, and where they're really bringing different perspectives into play and different uh, business acumens that perhaps the doctors don't always have, but the doctors contribute their expertise, which is the strong point. They see the needs on the ground, they see the, the potential and the different tools that they have available. So it's a really a great um, marriage of those two things. Mayo Clinic has a center for innovation. They have a tagline there, think big, start small, move fast. It's really about, again, design thinking, very popular trend. And they even have this uh, conference that they put on every year, Transform, Transform Conference. So what we're seeing here is that essentially the healthcare sector is mimicking what the consumer tech industry did about a decade ago when IoT hit the market. Um, So IOT being the Internet of Things, they looked at how big corporations could actually work with smaller agile players, usually startups, and this gave way to very important projects with incubators such as Samsung Next, which still a decade later is thriving. And the interesting thing about the healthcare sector's approach, though, is that they decided not to just ally themselves with different entrepreneurs, although there is a portion of that too, but they've really decided to have in-house expertise um, that helps develop and grow these projects. And so that's why today's episode, I think, will be particularly interesting in terms of the discussion surrounding innovations for anyone that's really actively trying to innovate in the healthcare sector. back to our guest speaker from the Thrival Festival, as you know we cannot quote um, we cannot say who quoted things but we're allowed to quote different parts of the conference and that's really meant in uh, the spirit of idea dissemination so that people can really speak freely and the ideas can be carried forward so i'm going to use a lot of the vocabulary that actually comes straight from the speaker so it'll be almost like hearing that person Although, granted, not quite the same. So when we're talking about problem owners, these could be governments, they could be civil societies, organizations, but they could also be individuals. So in that talk, the speaker was mentioning it could be your mom, it could be the plumber, it could be the farmer. Um, the, the basic premise is that everybody has a problem and you can enable those problems to be solved um, by people who are you know, actively concerned by them, who actively own these problems. And this brings into play something um, that we call data ownership. So data ownership matters because a lot of the problems are contingent on being able to share that data and to have a system that mutualizes that data. The same way that we can share knowledge, we could perhaps find a way to share data, which could then benefit everyone in the system. And the, the basic idea behind that is quite simple, it's that perhaps your experience might be useful to somebody else's experience and so on and so forth, but we're not really capitalizing on all that. Everybody's staying with their own problems and their own um, access to data on their own and we're not really... Um, being able to tap into that. And AI is at the core of what he calls cheaper cheapification, cheaperification, basically making uh, a technology being cheaper and cheaper, more and more accessible. And his he wonders, right, with all the device, the data, the compatibilities, could we distribute this kind of data to everyone? And not just supporting the sharing the data, but sharing also the costs, the expenses, so that it's really fair and accessible to all. But his main premise is not so much around data per se, as I think it is a mindset, right? And he's saying we need more problem solvers to meet with what he calls problem owners. And it's quite funny because if you actually go and you Google this, there is a notion of problem owners in um, the Lean, I think, system, uh, the Six Sigma. But... um, it's, it's still something that in his particular context hasn't really been defined. And so I thought it was quite a novel um, idea there. He's saying problem solvers today are more entrepreneurs and researchers. And the space that they're in, where they work, is a limited space. But he's asking, how could we augment this space with more problems? And so to him, the answer <laughs> is problems, right? Having more problems, access to more problems. With the problems that really matter to people every day. And he's saying if you can find the match, um, he thinks a lot of those problems could actually be solved at a global level. Because even though these problems happen in different countries, with different contexts, with different cultural backgrounds, um, and the data that goes around it is slightly different, as communities, if you could enable people to um, share these problems and work on them together, you could actually tap into something quite powerful. He actually goes on, and that's a separate topic in my opinion, talking about data commons, and I'm going to get back to it because I think it's a very charming idea, very useful. Um, But I think at the core of this, if you step back and you really hear the argument about problem owners, I think it's very true, and I I see it too in the, the medical field. There's a lot of different roles and specializations, and even the patient is something completely distinct from the the. Um, where the way the healthcare dialogue happens and the way that the services are designed. And it becomes a very interesting idea. What could we have problem owners? And could we bring those people who are trying to solve things in the tech world? So a lot of those startups that are going on, um, even a lot of those doctors that work on on their own topics. What if we brought them with people who actually deal with the pain points that they're trying to solve? And what if we could elicit... Um, the the actual issues and the different stakes that there are from really multiple stakeholders from a lot of different perspectives. I think the experience as a whole and the solution would would be greatly um, enriched and I think the buy-in would also be much much better than as is right now with you know a different perspective coming in either from a researcher from an entrepreneur but not really tapping into that collective wisdom. One of the solutions that the speaker was recognizing was the idea of data commons or repository of data that is available for everyone. And I'll stay straight up. I think it's not so much a, a technical issue. I think it's an organizational culture or a industry culture type of challenge. I think it's uh, the technology will definitely enable some change. But I think there's also, at some human level, a lot of uh, you know shifting that needs to happen for this to really get its full potential but if you do carry on with the idea of data sharing the same way that there is wikipedia we could imagine something called ai Commons. so that's somewhere where you could access you could borrow capabilities of ais to solve your own problems based on what other people did before And so that's how he believes people will really start owning their own problems. It's through access to data that they can say I have a problem and I can also solve it now or at least um, tap into even more data from other people who have shared that kind of issue and maybe even solved it before. And AI Commons actually already is uh, it doesn't exist quite yet in the final format but there is a website I'm gonna put that in the notes as well that you can check it out and that uh, it's a project that's being constructed right now they're looking at it in terms of a platform or frameworks that could exchange for example or or let you access um, best practices you know different frameworks that you could use the right data model for the right type of fr- a problem that you're trying to solve and they were giving examples such as if a company has solved like a pharma company has solved an issue with poisonous leaves then how could i borrow it from my context my own problem and maybe reuse some of the insights that they gained so that's aicommons.com i'm gonna put a link obviously i do wonder when i hear projects like this how is it gonna first become mainstreams because if you look at patreon or um, creative commons and different projects like that that were really meant to disseminate things that would be of great use to the greater Um, community, they often haven't become mainstreams. There are still somewhat outliers and things that um, people probably like me will will be curious to tap into and contribute to, but there's definitely not, um, it's not as ingrained with the corporate world as you might have imagined in terms of potential. And I wonder how you can incentivize an entire ecosystem so that it's not marginalized, but really becomes a core practice. Um, And especially when we talk about things like the pharma industry or hospitals, there's a certain um, competitive advantage that comes from owning data and interpreting that data. And so I I do wonder how far the AI Commons will be able to go and how they're thinking about this, because I'm sure they've actually thought about um, a model or or some ways to to integrate this. I'd be very curious to hear more as they they unfold a little bit their plans. But certainly a great initiative, at least from the public health perspective, the more data we can share, the more we can learn from each other, I think the more the outcomes uh, will improve overall. And to perhaps find also mechanisms that create incentives for people to share there that would be very interesting as well. As a little bonus i'm also going to include some resources that one of the speakers from thrival he was actually from google ai was kind enough to share with me um and i thought that was really great because not only do you have people on the stage but if you have questions they can actually help you explore further afterwards um so i did dig a little bit into that they're excellent training videos and they walk you through how to spot biases in your data and it's at a very conceptual level as much as they have some um technical recommendations too, but I like the fact that it's very accessible and it really gets you thinking because the insights that the machines can generate really depends on what we teach them and implicitly what kind of data we fed them. Fed them. So very interesting topic to look at. I'm going to include uh, this link in the show notes. Well, a couple of links in the show notes. And if you want to see an example that's specific to healthcare, go check out the example that they have on cancer. Um, very fascinating thing that happened there with the labeling. So this detour with data and AI is really because the speaker has um, mentioned the connection that he sees between tools that spread data and make it accessible and uh, this idea of owning problems. I think certainly the technology is an important factor. We've seen that internet has really democratized access to information and brought communication and insights that are generated by different people being at the table definitely a great mark for progress it's going to be interesting to see whether these tools are going to be sufficient in um, fostering the same kind of innovation and access when it comes to ai i do also believe that there's a cultural component and this is what i want to see more from the corporate side if you look at hospitals right now innovation happens a lot in departments that are responsible for innovation and this model is a lot in the it industry if you look at sap for example they have sap labs that's where the innovation happens but you have other models like google where an entire company will innovate and it's everyone's business to innovate so it's going to be interesting to see whether the uh, final perspective on healthcare will be a department that attempts to bridge the gap and bring people together Um, perhaps connect those um, entrepreneurs researchers with the problem owners as we were discussing or whether it's going to slowly transform an entire culture leading us to entire hospitals that think innovate um, and bring people together in a way where change is really possible for very complex issues i'm karina paraske you've been listening to healthcare focus and this concludes our three-part series live from the Thrival Festival.